everyone, and welcome back to our podcast, Raya Affairs. Before getting into some announcements, I wanted to introduce myself as your host for today. My name is Miro, and I am a member of the project development team at Raya. I work for the Dutch Ministry of Education, and I have a master's degree in European Studies. And now I've been with Raya for over a year, and I've enjoyed recording the podcast so far. Today, we're back with our second episode of our new series for you, Climate Leaders 101. In this five-episode series, of which we began last year, we will be analyzing the stakes, policies, and personalities of climate leaders around the world, with individual ranging from Brazil to Kenya to Spain. As per usual, I'll give you a brief overview of Raya. It is an international think tank led by young professionals that translates the abstract world of international affairs by simplifying rather than generalizing. Raya is where you come to learn about the stories and the worries of political leaders, the behind the scenes of decision makers, and how politics impacts and changes your life. This is Raya Affairs, filling you in wherever you are. We also like to make it clear that expressed opinions in this episode are welcome, even though they are not a direct reflection of Raya, as we specialize in unbiased writing and analysis. Over the next following weeks, we are dedicating our episodes to climate leaders in a collaboration between RIA, IE University, and the IE School of Politics, Economics, and Global Affairs. Over the summer, 10 IE students underwent weeks of RIA training, familiarizing themselves with the RIA methodology, where they placed the individual decision maker at the center of the analysis. The same students also attended other research-related seminars held by Raya, featuring alumni working in EU climate policy at the EU Commission, working with climate migration and an external youth climate activist. Given all this, each of the five climate leader reports will be published once a week on the Raya website. So keep an eye out. This week, we'll be moving on from discuss- discussing Dr. William Ruto and his climate politics in Kenya, and continuing on with American politician and member of the Democratic Party, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. For reference to our listeners, we will call her by her initials, AOC, for the rest of the episode. With that in mind, let's kick it off. I would like to introduce two summer program interns, Filippa Eichel and Maria Romero. Hi, Filippa and Maria, and welcome to Raya Affairs. Why don't you both tell me a little bit about yourself, such as where you're from, what you do, and perhaps how did you get to the role you have today at Raya? Hi, I'm Philippa and I am an LLB student and BIR student from IE University. I'm originally from Germany, grew up there my entire life, and then moved abroad for the first time in my life to Spain. And I completed there and enjoyed my first year. And this summer, I'm honored to been given the opportunity to join Raya. I applied to the summer program primarily for deepening my knowledge on academic research and writing. But I'm very happy that I was also able to deepen my knowledge on climate, on the climate change and on um, any activism by leaders. Um, my name is Maria. I am a first year in IE, going into my second year. I study international relations. I am from Mexico. I have lived most of my life in Mexico City. And I, so I applied to the role at Raya through the internship, through the summer program, because I wanted to have a better understanding of climate change. 
and how global leaders have an impact on it. Wow, thanks guys. That's really nice to hear. So the next question I tend to ask all of our guests on the podcast, because I know that they are passionate about international relations, but also because they never fail to surprise or amaze me in their answers. So uh, what leader, dead or alive, who has impacted the world, would you like the opportunity to have a conversation with, if you could? From the current times, I would like to meet Donald Trump because it also fits the context of the summer program. He has influenced the world in a lot of aspects. With the climate change, he managed um, to revoke the progress of 20 years. And so I would just like to know what goes on in his head and his mind to, to make these decisions for one of the largest and most impactful countries in the world. Yeah, that's really interesting because today we'll also be discussing another like uh, politician in the US. And what about you, Maria? Which leader would you like to meet? I would, I don't know, I, there's a lot of leaders that I would want to meet, but if I had to choose one, I would love to meet Angela Davis. And I think on the topic of AOC, she's very much similar. Even if they advocate for different things, they're both like controversial, like figures of resistance in the US. And I would love to have like a talk with her and see how she approaches things. That's very nice. Thank you both. So let's start with some basic background on the leader we are discussing today. So could one of you guys tell me who AOC is and like what are maybe five basic facts everyone needs to know about AOC? Yeah, so AOC is an American politician and activist. She was born in the Bronx in 1999. She's very young. She has like Puerto Rican heritage and she used to be a bartender like she studied international relations but then she became a bartender and then she joined congress in 2018 defeating like a 10-year term joe crawley which was amazing and so five facts that you would need to know about her first of all i think a lot of people don't know what her actual name is a lot of people know her by AOC. It's Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Um, she was born to a working class family. She has a very progressive agenda, which includes like Medicare for all and income equality. Um, she has a lot of social media power. A lot of her political identity has come from her being so active and engaging on social media and that she has very controversial stances, especially in the U.S. political scene, which has also kind of created the political identity that she has today. Thank you, Maria. That's very nice that we already know so much now about AOC. So as part of the summer program, you were able to choose the leader you wanted to research from a list. So could you both uh, tell us why you were interested in AOC? And specifically, like, why you thought she embodied a climate leader for this project? I chose AOC from the given list, mostly because she was one of the characters I knew from my studies before, and because she was a female um, leader from the list. And I think she embodies a climate leader because um, she's known for her very progressive voice, as Maria said, 
and I wanted to see how she would shape the issue and how she would try to get a solution for it because so many people just talk about it but don't really have something of an action plan and I wanted to see how Green New Deal was playing out um, or how it didn't play out but played out in a different way more local and more state-wise and um, that's the reason why I chose her. Nice and what about you Maria? Yeah I, I've, I had followed AUC for a while before the program and I was very surprised to see her on the list. I don't know I found her really interesting because I think she's a young woman in in the U.S. and I've always been very interested in American politics in general just because it's so close to me. And I don't know, I feel like we relate a lot as women through our struggles. So I really want to understand how she kind of rose to this figure and how she's doing. Thank you both for your answers. So now let's get into it. I wanted to understand more about what AUC represents politically and ideologically. From the little I know or have heard about AOC, it's that her statements and policies that made the headlines strike a positive chord on the youth due to their progressive nature. So what has your research shown you about AOC's political outlook? So she has a huge political outlook, but everything is focused on justice. She really addresses the patriarchal society and wants to give everyone, no matter if they're um, female, male, or a different gender, or no matter of their ethnic background, she wants to give them an equal opportunity at life and at, um, at an education as well. So her, her, um, her outlook, her stake is um, focused on a climate justice, on a social justice, an educational justice, And she wants to give everyone a voice. That's why she also used the grassroots strategy um, as part of her campaigning method to um, get her stake across. So as a follow-up on this, what type of policies does she defend? Like, are they social, economical? Like, what are their type of policies, Maria? So AOC has very, like, progressive and sometimes, like, left-leaning policies. Um, some of her most famous ones are like Medicare for All, which supports a healthcare system that can provide healthcare to everyone. She advocates for a higher minimum wage, um, taxing the wealthy and funding social programs to reduce income inequality. She also supports the policy of tuition-free college and relieving the student loan debt. She advocates for the criminal justice reform because she believes there are a lot of racial disparities in law enforcement, the immigration reform, and affordable housing, among other policies. So they're all very social-oriented and progressive. Thank you, Maria. And yeah, they are very social. So since we are here today to discuss AOC's role as a climate leader, like what are the policies she has or she supports regarding the climate? Philippa, could you tell us a little bit about that? So AOC's agenda to make the U.S. economy and the U.S. in general a bit more greener and ecologically friendly, she envisioned a 10-year transition plan where she would get the economy to use renewable energy and 
managed to introduce greener jobs who then focus on restructuring the infrastructure and thereby she would want to make the U.S. more climate resilient and more um, innovative in their um, ideas, in their economy. And um, for the listeners who know, the Green New Deal, though failed in passing in the House. However, she still hasn't stopped with her progressive ambitions to, um, to implement greener acts and greener bills into, into the house. And one of these acts is the Inflation Reduction Act, where she um, allocates money or reallocates money to um, benefit climate change mitigation and also um, has, um, uh, uh, where she also generated up to $9 million for, um, for the job sector regarding the clean energy and thereby also she reduced the carbon emissions for the United States and this act passed so you cannot really say that her entire Green New Deal failed because she still implements national acts that are also with a, that also have a focus on the climate challenge we are facing and um, her activism also proposed new Green Deals which um, then progressed on a state level. Thank you, Philippa, and thank you for giving us so much details already on the policies. So from your report, it's understood that AOC's Green Deal is the most comprehensive policy. So could uh, both of you go into more detail about the Green Deal, like what does it constitute, uh, where it stands currently, and what AOC's agenda is regarding to Green Deal? Maybe, Maria, you can start off. Yes, so the Green New Deal, as Philippa mentioned, did not pass into legislation. So it's still just like a plan that needs to be implemented. But the like the interesting part about the Green New Deal is how it puts together like climate justice and social justice. All like although it did not advance into becoming law, it has had many effects on a national and international level which I think we can go into after. And it just really brought up the conversation in the US, like a national conversation around climate change and how it, there needs something to be done. Like in both parties, Democrats and even Republicans, they both need to address climate change because it's such a part of the political conversation now. Thank you, Maria. So uh, as you're kind of saying already, like the Green Deal has garnered both praise and criticism. And of course, its major impact has been fostering like political dialogue. So my question to you is like, is political discussion and national awareness of the climate issue sufficient uh, impact in the context of American society? And like, what other impacts does the Green Deal do have in practice? Like, making maybe a link to the impact it may have on global climate change issues. Philippa, do you want to answer? Yes, I can start. So the Green New Deal is not actually like a new idea. It's just the fact that, or the way AOC presented it to society, it became a new vision for America. So I think that in the political discussion and national awareness of today, um, it is already a sufficient impact in the way AOC managed to challenge the status quo. However, to have the impact also in practice, um, 
it's difficult to say because to actually have an impact for a country that big, every state of the United States, in my opinion, would have to kind of do something for their economy all themselves. So I'd say every state would have to adapt a Green New Deal, maybe even an individualized one, which then fits to their specific economy better than the National Green New Deal would have. Um, but it's difficult with any climate um, incentivization because there's always people who do not believe that it's that big of a threat. And it's just also very difficult to make this transition in the time we have left to actually have an impact. Thank you, Philippa. So since we've now discussed kind of the overall impact of our major climate policy, I feel like we can break it down to the impact she's having on her own party. So could you tell me, Maria, if AOC is attracting young Americans to the Democratic Party because she is opposing, uh, proposing policies that are affecting the audience's future? Like, what is the link here? Yes, I think she's attracting a lot of the youth and that she's doing so by supporting policies that are really addressing the concerns of the young people. And as a socialist Democrat that she is, she's attracting people to her party. She, um, I don't know, like addressing issues like the Green New Deal and Medicare for All have created like this new generation of Democrats. And she has been attracting like moderate voters, not only Democrats, so people who might not be on one side or the other are now becoming. Democrats were voting for that side. And yeah, I think that she is attracting a lot of young Americans to democratic socialism. I would also like to add that she attracted a lot of people who thought that they have lost their voice in American politics, that they can regain their voice through her because she, she used in her grassroots strategy a strategy where she even went house to house knocking on their doors. Um, and thereby revitalized a lot of people in their political thinking. That's very interesting, especially that she can attract people that would normally not choose either one of the parties. So lastly, regarding the new Green Deal, uh, what political and systemic constraints stand in its way? Um, the Green New Deal faces a lot of criticism, especially from the Republicans, because it is... Um, a deal that has a social agenda right at its center. And um, it is so progressive in the way she proposed it that it just um, got a lot of criticism that it is too idealized, um, too perfect to actually be um, put into action. Um, that it's just too big and broad to, to actually implement. I would say that's the main challenge. Thank you. And based on this whole discussion we had so far, would both of you still agree with the answers you have given in this podcast that AOC um, still embodies uh, a climate leader? I, I would say she does. Like, not only has she made this national conversation regarding climate change, but also, as Felipa said, like, she has had a lot of state and local level impact with the Green New Deal. 
like many states like California have implemented this green new like regional green new deal and she has also influenced the international sphere with this idea of like social coming together with climate justice and it has inspired other plans she was someone who supported the U.S. rejoining the Paris Agreement. Um, and I don't know, I think through her advocacy and policy initiatives, I think she is a climate leader. Just the fact that she has made this conversation become part of the political scene again, and like to a higher importance, I think makes her a climate leader, like beyond policymaking, which is still in its way. Thank you, Maria. What about you, Philippa? I think it depends on how you actually define being a leader. If you say that a leader must also be successful in their implementation exactly the way they started, then I'd say no. But because I would define a leader as someone who um, who advocates a lot and who brings a lot of people together and does not bring their hopes down, then I'd say she definitely is one. Because in my opinion, she's a voice that cannot be silenced because no matter who she's still continuing with her progressive voice on TV, on social media. And although her green deal failed, she still continues with other acts to, to make America a little bit more green. Thank you both for elaborating on that. So it seems that we've already come to the end of our discussion But before moving on to our last segment, I wanted to know, like, what do you believe are the three top takeaways our listeners should have in the process of research and analysis? More specifically, can you relate it to what you have learned in your own process and how far you have come in analyzing individuals and the way they make their decisions? Um, so in regards to the analysis, I think I'm looking for way more things in detail in in the um, the difference between a policy outlook and a policy impact in our research has helped me a lot to differentiate between how someone can be a climate activist or a climate leader and how you would actually make a difference between that. Thank you, Philippa. What about you, Maria? Yeah, I would agree on that. And also I kind of learned to analyze leaders from like a Like, leaders have a lot of sides to them. You can't just, like, you need to understand who they are as a person to understand the decisions they make and why they make them. And on that same note, like, it's I think it's all very contextual. So, like, if you don't understand the context of AOC or any other leader, for that matter, I think you can't judge what the decisions they make or the, the impact they have. So just, just like, to kind of read into everything surrounding the leader before making any assessment on their impact. So now we will move on to the new segment we have. We like to call Two Sides, One Mic. For five minutes, we will read out opposing statements made about the leader and topic at hand, and our writers will discuss how these statements connect to the research they have done on their climate leader. Our goal is to look at what currently is being said by other individuals about the climate leader and their policy, and have our writers debate or comment on it using what they have found in their analysis. 
So AOC is particularly well-spoken and at the same time on the headlines of American media as depicted as controversial. On one side of the mic, AOC stands for everything one could hope for. This is visible in a particular press release where AOC was reintroducing the Green New Deal resolution and she said the following. When we say we're fighting for a new Green Deal, we're fighting for clean air and clean water for our kids. We're fighting for living wages and good paying union jobs to transform our energy system. We're fighting to end racial injustice, revitalize our schools and achieve safe and affordable housing for all. On the other side of the mic, however, not everyone sees this all-encompassing need for the Green New Deal. We can see this is this in a public opinion poll conducted in 2019 by the Washington Post, which voiced the concerns of others. Particularly, it found that Republicans were actually twice as likely to have heard about the Green New Deal than Democrats, just because it received so much critical attention from Trump. One respondent, a 17-year-old Trump voter, said the Green Deal seemed unrealistic. In his words, To me, it's too much, too fast. If somebody presented that as a 100-year goal or a 50-year goal, then let's work on it long term. So our question to both of you is, how has AOC, in her role as a climate leader, framed the Green Deal to the public? based on the words of these two statements. Would you perhaps agree that she has not been effective in presenting the Green Deal as something affordable for the American government and the public? I would say that she has framed the Green New Deal as a very progressive idea and in a very short period of time how the young Republican also presented it. However, um, Ideas regarding change are always controversial in other people's ideas because for so many people, it's too much change and change is always making some people nervous about their habits. However, change most of the time also leads to a good outcome. And if you never change on small bits, you can never have a huge outcome. So other people also say that it's too little change and too little challenging. So you can never make it the best outcome for everyone. However, um, I think she proposed it just in the right tone because it would not have gotten the attention of the public if she wouldn't have phrased it this progressively. And Maria, would you like to respond to that? Yeah, I would agree with Philippa. Also, I think that in the US especially, politics are a lot about political parties. And so the Green New Deal, I feel, became more like a political party conversation rather than climate change conversation. So everyone was like saying the Green New Deal is this Democrat socialist thing that's going to attack Americans. And I feel like it was so controversial that that's why Republicans knew more about it. And so it was a fight between both instead of fight against climate change. But I do believe that also made it like so impactful because now both parties brought it up and now both parties need to address it. But yeah, I don't think she took into account when presenting it like the obstacles she would face from the opposing political party. As this episode comes to an end, I wanted to briefly summarize what we have to come to learn today. 
AOC, an American politician for the Democrats, has been focusing on social policies and connecting these to her climate policies in order to generate more jobs, have better living conditions and fight injustice. We discussed how the new Green New Deal embodies her messages and what the consequences will be when this is put in place. Not only did we discuss how well this policy is received, but also whether this policy is enough to create awareness. While the policy is a 10-year plan, the effects are yet to be seen. AOC is creating more awareness and getting younger Democrats to engage. And both Felipa and Maria showed us that AOC is considered to be a climate leader. It's been a pleasure to have Felipa and Maria on Raya Affairs today. Going in depth into AOC and the New Green Deal, among other subtopics that have helped us understand her climate leadership. Thank you, Felipa and Maria, for taking the time to show us what you have been working on. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you for hosting us. So thank you. And for those of you who have enjoyed our discussion and want to read Philippa and Maria's report on AOC, click the link in the episode description or find the research on riotgroup.org. And also make sure to follow us on Instagram through riot.now. It was a pleasure hosting this discussion today. Goodbye, everyone. And thank you for tuning in. Have a great day in your sphere of influence.